Hey, everybody, listen up. Slow Toke Rodriguez says, sit down, grab a raw, twist a number, and get ready to listen to some Sidewalk Crew. You dig? Yo, 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 what up, everybody? Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Sidewalk Crew. It's your boy, Tony, and we've got big news coming up. But uh, for now, uh, we're going to, you know, just talk about some things that are going on. And then we're going to get right into the episode. I've been waiting to do this one for a long time. Um, so, yeah, uh, fun times, fun show, fun talk, fun everything. So check it, check it, check it, check it, check it. First and foremost, you guys, uh, thanks for listening. Um if you'd like to know where I'm at this week, I'll plug some dates real quick. Uh, so let's see. Uh, this Wednesday, I'm hosting at Brewer's Kettle Comics if you want to come get some time. The list drops at 8. The show starts at 8.30. I'm going to give out some longer sets. It's just a straight up old school open mic. No headliner this week. Just straight through it and run through, boy. We're going to get that one in the bag and out of there, baby. Uh, then this Friday, the 13th. Yes, this Friday, the 13th. This Friday, the 13th, I will be at Gray Gables with J.D. Scranton, Dusty Cagle, and guests Ryan Benner and Seth Payne. Uh, that's going to be an awesome time. This Saturday, uh, we will be at Jugheads for our first weekend show at Jugheads in Winston-Salem. And that will be Trish Smart, Maggot Brain, Robert Every, and myself. Um, look, guys, it's going to be fun this week. So uh, come out and check out your boy. Those are all three free shows. Also, I'd like to remind everybody that this week at the Idiot Box, you've got the Remix Comedy Show Series that's on Wednesday. You've got the latest open mic in the world on Thursday. Friday and Saturday both have Greensboro Laugh Showcases. And Saturday night has the new Late Night Witch Show, sure to tickle your brain and your funny bone at the same time. Also, please do remember on Winston-Salem, if you do come out on Mondays, you have a chance to double dip. That's the Jugheads open mic at Monday, 7. The list drops 7.30, baby, is when the show starts. And then uh, when you're done with that, head down to Monstercade in Winston-Salem on Arcadia Street. Uh, and that's your Monday fix. Tuesdays, you can head to Campus Gas or the O to get your comedy fix. Uh, Wednesdays, you've got the Brewer's Kettle. Thursday, it's the Idiot Box. That's your Greensboro Open Mic Rundown for the weekend. Remember, guys, have a lot of fun with that. Also, I'd remind you, the last Monday of every month, Monster K does a monthly showcase. Uh, that's the last Monday of every month, so they do open mics three Mondays out of the month. Uh, the Live to Laugh page is where you can keep up with the open mics that uh, I help book and um, kind of help uh, run uh, for a little bit. Uh, so, uh, you can check out those on the Live to Laugh comedy page. That's Lives to Laugh Comedy on Instagram. And then, of course, I am that comic Tony on all social medias except Facebook, where you just search me by my name. And, uh, yeah. So, um, that's our dates this week. So, news there are going to be some changes. Changes, changes, changes with uh, show times and stuff coming up soon. And there's going to be some changes in a lot of my personal life stuff. Uh, nothing to do with the Amali we're fine and all that stuff. Nothing to do with where we're living we're fine. We're just making some changes to better ourselves. We'll have more details on that soon. Uh, we've got some new affiliates that are coming out, hopefully. And then uh, some new announcements about video. Uh, so we're targeting for like January, uh, mid-January to make the full transition over to video. Um, and, uh, have all that fun stuff done and, uh, that also we're about to put out the word for other podcasts, guests on the show and put out the word again, because, you know, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. 
So, 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 today on the podcast, we've got the great Neil Hoover. Uh, Neil is one of the heads at the Creative Businessman Studios, one of the hosts on the Creative Businessman podcast. Uh, that studio also helps uh, shoot specials. Uh, they're working on some animation stuff. Um, they also do the uh, Dumbest Time of the Room podcast. Uh, they had never been happier on there. Uh, they've got the Mike and the Machine with Craig Boudreaux. There's a lot of cool sketches that you see filmed out of there. Um, you know, comedians like uh, Eric Trundy uh, does stuff up there. Tom Simmons does stuff up there. Seth Payne helps do a lot of sketches with a lot of guys. I mean, like, you know, guys like Nick Chancha, David Goolsby, uh, Ethan Justice. I mean, just a lot of fun people. Ryan Bender, Dusty Cagle. I mean, and it's good stuff that they put out. So definitely check out the Creative Businessman Studios. They're actually also on my end commercial that you hear at the end of the show all the time. Um, so Neil comes by and we just have a nice little talk. Jeremy uh, Nelson, old El Boro Blanco, uh, he's becoming like a heavy recurring guest on the podcast. We're going to have to get him on again here soon because it's fun when he's in. Um, comes and sits down with him. We just sit and we just have a chat about different things. Like a, we talk about some of the tech that we've gone through, some stuff about comedy, some things that influenced us and brought us up where we were. Um, and then uh, I had trouble with the sound at the end of it, so I had to cut out the PIVO questionnaire. And it was probably the best PIVO that I've ever had, and I hate the fact that I had to lose it. Uh, hopefully I can get the sound cleaned up and put that over on Patreon so you guys can hear it on Patreon. Um, yeah, dude. It's Look, guys. Let me just tell you. It's... Uh, uh, when I say I'm fine, I'm fine. Uh, you know, those of you that know, you know, you know, those of you that don't know yet, you will soon. Um, you know, everything's good. Everything's great. Like I said, me and Molly are fine. Uh, there's nothing going on there. Uh, you know, nothing going on with our home situation. It's just uh, life's changing around. So we're doing, you know, more stuff. We've been throwing up some new jokes and the new jokes been working. But, you know, there's part of me that kind of wants to jump on with Steve and do another class one more time. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, that'll push my writing to another level. There's another part of me that just wants to sit down and take the time to rerun through a bunch of my old stuff. Uh, I tagged up an old joke last night. Yeah, last night. Because uh, it's Tuesday right now. Yeah, last night. I tagged up an old joke and brought up a joke that I haven't done in a long time and it worked. So, you know, we out here doing the thing. Um, <clears throat> I've already gone through my dates and I think that's what we got booked uh, throughout the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, we're trying to finish up booking with the rest of the Live to Laugh mics too. So if you think you got a uh, feature time, hit me up and we'll see what we can do about getting you on a mic out there. Um, now, on to uh, other things before we uh, keep going on. Uh, yo, Guys, the new show at the 88 Box on Wednesdays, it's, I haven't got a chance to go yet because, um, you know, I'm helping running the mic over here. But let me tell you, man, from what I hear, it's fire. It's a great b- blend of improv and comedy. Like, you've got to go check it out. There's a reason why that's, you know, my home. That's why I call it the first church in comedy. That's why it's my favorite place um, is because of that, um, you know. And uh, I-, I love all the stuff that Jenny does up there. And, you know, there's nothing that anybody ever you know, say or do that'll make me not love that place. I love that place. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it so much. And I love all you guys. And uh, thank you so much for listening. So like I said, uh, Neil and Jeremy uh, sat down for this and we had a good time. We ran over a lot of stuff. So I'm going to stop running my mouth and I'm going to let you guys get into the show. Um, we're going to jump straight into uh, the interview after the intro plays. And then uh, we've got the commercial at the end. This is an unsponsored episode. Uh, I figured we'd let this one, you know, go straight up to the creative businessmen uh, and, you know, plug them up with that. So make sure you follow the creative businessmen studios on all social media platforms. That's T C B studios or the creative businessmen studios on all your social media platforms. Give them a follow. Also check out Neil Hoover, uh, you know, um, like I said, he's a wonderful comic. He's getting a lot of cool work around places, man. I just, I really enjoy, 
hanging out with Neil and doing stuff with Neil. So uh, here's Neil Hoover and Jeremy. I love you guys. Uh, Stick around at the end for the final commercial. Yeah. conference jamming together like like or somehow recording yeah. music together in one place like live. no latency no, no nothing. latency yeah see i that's crazy yeah wow i can i can remember when i thought it was insane like i used to think net speeds for me were insane when i remember um I remember the first time we got high speed and the only way to get high speed out there where we were was you had to have a converter that plugged into a dial-up line and then the converter converted the, the dial tone signal into a high speed line, but you still couldn't use the phone while you were on it. You know, right. there was mm-hmm. still no, still no way to get around, no workaround for that at the time. But I remember just, I was like, I want to see how strong my internet is. <coughs> so I was like, I'm going to torrent pulled Pearl Jam's discography. And, uh, I got it in three and a half minutes. And I was like, Man. this is insane. And this was 2008. So, like, oh, it, was, yes. it wasn't as much as they had now. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was, uh, like, two minutes. For Pro- Pearl Jam released an album every year for fucking ever because Eddie Vedder is weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, no. that. I think I've got a same brand as that. that, that, that I, don't, I don't know if there was a brand on this one I got. Yeah, it, it, looks, yeah, it does look like yours. Yeah. That one was what me and the wife every year we go through and uh, our our little thing because like when we got together we went out and we bought a uh, actually I don't I don't have it in here but we got like a piece and uh, now every year on our anniversary that's like our thing and this was like this is the one she brought home a couple years back nice and it was so I personally I like them smaller like just a smidge smaller uh, but that that's perfect it, it holds the perfect amount of water and it's well weighted and it's it's big enough to where the little furry asshole doesn't knock it off. <laughs> Because he's the world's worst, dude. He's the world's worst. I wish that cereal story was just a joke. That's 100% true. Uh, uh, that is 100% true. So many cornflakes. Man. I, uh... Looking at what I, I... I remember gaming when I first started. Like, and for me, it was... Like, I remember when we had to have LAN parties. That had to be uh-huh. the thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Like, there was... You couldn't... The thought of me being able to get online, outside of stuff, you know, like uh, WoW or, or like RuneScape or CSGO, outside of things like that. Yeah, that's shockingly similar. Yeah. <laughs> that is insanely similar. All the way down to the top, dude. That's shockingly similar. It's the same thing. It's the same, same company or whatever. Same artist. That's funny. I'll take that. I'll take that all day long. Hell yeah. Um, but land parties that that's I remember I remember land party and like uh, I can remember carrying my shitty compact Passario over to my buddy's house and we we're like we're dating these together compact but Passario yeah, yeah shit true. computer all two hundred and fifty six megabytes of RAM I was probably eighteen to twenty when those came out I was you were still a little kid like twelve. 
I was in middle school. Yeah. Ten. I just I just yeah. got into middle school. Yeah, when we got ours. That's funny. You know, um, when I was when I was probably twelve. Yeah, twelve years old. Twelve or thirteen. It was like ninety two, ninety three when Wolfenstein came out. Yeah. Oh. And my my buddy that was my neighbor, we were he's one of my best friends today still. Then, uh, of course, I don't even see him a whole lot, but. His dad was a big computer. His dad and his older brother were both big into computers, and they had, you know, they had like the what were the IBMs, the IBM compatibles and stuff. But you know, yeah. Like early stage PCs, and uh, when Wolfenstein came out, it was amazing. It was the first, you know, first person shooter game. It was a floppy disc game too, wasn't it? The little black floppies. I don't think it was CD-ROM. No, no. no, it was it was it was a CD-ROM. Game. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it may have been on a three and a half. Mm. Actually, um, I think it was. A, I think you could get it, and it was a series of them. I think it was like it was five, yeah. like four or five. Them all. Yeah, yeah. So, so. You had to use DOS in those games. You had to actually access the games through DOS. Wow! And all your cheat codes and stuff were through like prompts. Yeah, but, <laughs> so awesome. Uh, and then when and Doom came out the next year, I think Doom came out in '93, maybe. And <clears throat> we would actually. So this was before the internet was a, a really a, available. Like there were still bulletin boards and stuff. But it was early internet, so it was, it was not anybody could access it, and and uh, it was mostly in like patches, right? Like yeah, his older brother uh, had a bulletin board that he ran, and, oh. which was really cool. But we would we would use we on Doom we would actually use dial up and connect to other friends' uh, servers, I guess, and play Doom over dial up. <coughs> Doom, I don't I don't know how I missed the boat on Doom. Like it was because it was around the the first game. Well, how old were you in '93, dude? Uh, not like two. Yeah, I mean I was thirteen, so. Well, I mean in general, I never like Doom was like even even later in life. I, Doom was just one that never. Well, it was garbage by the time you got old enough to enjoy it. Uh, but I mean, it's still yeah. great if you if you experienced. It's like Star Wars. Like if you saw it back in like the '80s, <laughs> or you saw it as a kid, it was amazing. But if you didn't see it until you're an adult, it's like. I don't know what it's about. You know, well, that was, like, that was like Quake. Like, I got really into yeah. Quake. Dude. Doom 64 is probably Quake more. Doom 64. Now, yeah. I will say, when Doom 64 yeah. came yeah, out, yeah, was, we went nuts. Awesome. Yeah. Like, we did go nuts. <laughs> yeah. But you also, like, we were, I got to, like, uh, I've got a buddy. We still have a working Jaguar between the two of us. Oh, I have a couple cool. Jaguar yeah. cartridges. And it's, that, so that was the first <laughs> big main portable handheld. Yeah. That, like, really was successful. But, uh, unfortunately, it didn't, like, run over here ever. Um, it was a rich kid's toy back then. Yeah. Dude, you know, I never, the, never even saw one until I was probably 30. Really? <laughs> do you remember the uh, Do you remember the weird in-between time? It was, like, right before Sega Saturn tanked and they did Dreamcast. There was Jaguar was going to release a system that was a cartridge-based home system, and it was called Dolphin. And they scrapped it. Oh, no. I remember a Dolphin right. game. No, there was a dolphin game. I do remember game. that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was a whole. It was going to be the. Ja, it was Jaguar, the company that made Jaguar. It was their attempt to reimburse into the market, and it was yeah. called Dolphin, and it just wow. didn't work. And then their team ended up going over to Sega, and then you got the Dreamcast, which is Man. which was the greatest system at the time, and it's just it just tanked for no reason. It's still popular though, dude. It's so good. Dreamcast is still a cool system. So it good. Is. They had memory cards on them that had uh, like. 
They had like it's all good. They had like memory cards on them that had like faces. So like uh, Sonic Adventure Two and Sonic Adventure One, you could get these things called Chows, and you could raise Chows. Well, the memory card that had the handheld controls on it, you could put your Chows in there and walk around with the memory card because mm. they had watch batteries in them, and raise your Chow points, plug the memory card back into it, and play it, dog. She was no, they did nothing. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. far as the game, <laughs> but it was it was like um uh. Fuck, what were they called when they first came out? Uh, it was pre-Tamagotchi. It was Digimon. So Digimon, uh, before it was Digimon. a card game or a show, they were a Tamagotchi-like digital pet. I remember Tamagotchi, but I don't remember the Digimon being the same. So Digimon were in little squares that were bricks. Mm-hmm. Tamagotchis stuff, were in eggs. This stuff came kind of after my time. The, Tamagotchi was like big in 96. Was, yeah, so I was 16. I was, yeah, I was on to... I was 12. I, was, I mean, I was still a nerd. So when I was 16, my grandmother... You know, we were pretty poor growing up, and then we, we were we were doing great. <laughs> <laughs> my grandmother, uh, she had saved up some money for me over the years to buy a car. She had like two grand, uh. and another friend of mine who was a actually an exchange student. He was a senior that year, and he was good friends with my other buddy's older brother. He uh, Aldrich Bubach. He he owned a computer store. He opened a computer store in our town. Wow. And, and he was in crazy. high school. Yeah. But he was a genius. He was a super smart dude. And he was a computer guy. And he was doing really well. And and so I was like, uh, asked my grandmother, I was like, hey, would you be okay if I spent this money, if I invested this money into a computer instead of a car? And she's like, yeah, if that's what you want to do. And uh, I was like, awesome. So I, I, was, I was a nerd, so I didn't care about I could just drive my mom's car. Yeah. Know, yeah. If I needed to. And then, so I, I, I bought, I, had, I bought a, a brand new. I had him build me a Pentium Pro. It was it was a Pentium Pro 155, I think, and then we we uh, boosted it to like a Pentium Pro 166, and it was so fast. It had a two gig hard drive. All two gigs of it, baby. Mm. Uh, and it, I mean, it probably had like megs of RAM, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like 500 megs of RAM or something. It was it was you know, today it would be a piece of garbage, but. Back then, it was amazing. And then on the weekends, <clears throat> every Friday, I would I would just pack it all up in the car, my mom's car, and then drive over to my friend's house and just stay there over the weekend. We'd set up a, we'd set up a LAN network and do just do LAN parties all weekend. Dude, LAN parties were the best. That That's was so cool. When Xbox first came out, none of us, none of my buddies that I hung out with had decent enough connection to play online. Yeah. But Xbox, because of the way they were built, you could just direct link them to each other. We did yeah. it with Halo. Yeah, and we did it with Halo, yeah. dude. Yeah. We'd have Halo six. Was, was the yeah, we'd have like sixteen people at my. It was my buddy's mom's house, and like you can get sixteen snot-nosed teenagers. Like uh, we were like fourteen, fifteen, but like all of us had Xboxes, and like all of us sweat, and we're all sitting here, like we're showing up with game, like. Some of us figured out that we could get carry our flat screen monitors. EV. There were other kids that didn't realize they could do that, and they bring in their twenty inch bubble back TVs. No. Oh, Yo, this lady's electric Dude, I used to bill carry was my insane. Big monitor. Your have, big fat back monitor? Yeah, I just buckle it into the car. <laughs> <laughs> I just put the monitor against the seat. You know, buckle it down. The, the first awesome. time I saw That's a flat, back then, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the first time I saw a flat monitor, I was like, "This is the future!" Like, oh, fly, yeah. fl- oh, like yeah. flat monitors. I was like, "You yeah, flying cars are the no static in like, front of yeah. the screen." Yeah, yeah, yeah they were amazing. It was just yeah. a flat. Yeah. Do you remember when you would like? Pop- back then, for me, it was all it was all computer games and skateboarding. Yeah, dude. 
I miss uh, – so I wrote an 8.5 with an 8.5 board, uh, either Zero Skateboards or Baker Skateboards. But they had to have Thomas Thunder Trucks on them, and they had to have Spitfire Wheels, or I didn't care oh, man, at I, all for it. So I, used, I always had uh, – I always got blank decks because I broke a lot of boards. That was pretty hardcore in skateboarding. And I didn't have a lot of money, so, so I, I could buy blank decks for like 30 bucks. Yeah. And then I always used um, – man, what was the brand? It was the Featherlight – trucks with the green bushings tensor no um not tensor not thunder independent no yeah they, they were a big brand though they were they were they were nice trucks but they were real lightweight wasn't there some fire something spitfire was spitfire? wheels spitfire oh, okay. was wheels and bearings gotcha. i can't believe i can't remember that um hmm. feather they were feather light they probably still call them the same thing wasn't world industries they made boards venture venture yeah. trucks were fire dude yeah they were venture um and then wheels you know uh i don't know different wheels but i like spitfire wheels i like dark star wheels i could not stand anything that had an element on it because like as a as a person and as a somebody who skateboarded i did not respect bam margera at all so like anything that i saw that said element i was like this is trash well see like, element was uh when i was skateboarding i didn't know who bam was like I, yeah not until ck in the 90s i started skateboarding in 93 so you were like jamie thomas uh rob dyrdek rob dyrdek um uh, chad muska yeah, so I, I skateboarded as a, a kid, too. Like, I, I remember we had fish boards when I first started. Yeah, me Playing too. with skateboards. You know, like, that was like the Tony Hawk era. Yeah. Like the late 80s. Like the like the tail end of the Peralta. Really, yeah, yeah. Powell was real big and stuff. And then, uh, but I didn't really get into skateboarding until the new style of decks came out, the, the double kicks. Yeah, the rounds, yeah. And and uh, I don't even remember what my first skateboard was, but it was in 93 when I bought my first new style skateboard Mine really got into black it. with neon green <laughs> i think there's a lot of skateboards back then those those fish style oh yeah, yeah. you know black and it was like black and neon so it was neon pink neon green neon orange but the but everything else was black but like the rim was the neon i have a really cool uh fish board now it's it's a um it's a coca-cola board but it's got max headroom on it oh that's dope from the 80s it's it's, it's like in mint condition it's really cool i went once i once i get to the point i want to weight wise i'm definitely gonna end up buying myself another longboard just to like ride man yeah. like it's because you can carve on a longboard you can't really like i'm not saying you can't carve on an eight five like double kicker but like something about a longboard is just smooth mm -hmm. it rides not yeah yeah i'm done with skateboard i <laughs> i don't want to fall i don't want to fall in my yard <laughs> yeah, or your driveway. <laughs> oh, I um, I had an, I had another skateboard. If I can reverse my one. age in ten years and, and be twenty eight again or something, fuck yeah, I'll be skateboarding all the time. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. If I can do that, I, I'll do crazy stuff too. Because if I break something, I'll just go fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Run it back. Neil's a stunt man now. Yeah. <laughs> you know uh, my what? My body is. I've, I've not been easy on myself. So. Yeah. Well, no, I'm I missing a leg. I've got a torn bicep. I was about to say, man, I, for back. I forget that you, like, for, you were closing a gate, and, like, it, it it sounds unimpressive, but I've seen this gate. It's trying to open a gate. Oh, trying to open it. Well, same thing. Yeah, well, just try to open anything that doesn't move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, um, with an older body. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I mean, man, I'll go. I know we'll do trip. Like when we do container days at work, when I'm doing it, I feel great. But then, like, when I go over and we start, like, putting frames together, and then, you know, I stand still for a minute, and then I go to move, I'm like, ah. Yeah. Ah. Of course, you know, I'm 32, but I'm 67 in cocaine years. So I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard, hardware failures. Yeah, starting to lose it. There it was. Software's still good, though. Software still works. That's, that's the main thing. <laughs> um, nobody remembers um, Jason Lee. Before he was an actor, before he was in Top Gun, before he did any of that, Jason Lee was a professional skateboarder. Oh, wow. He was. He was oh, yeah, yeah. He was huge. He was one of the first big Transworld Skateboarder Magazine stories and everything, and for years. Yep. So he starts going to movies, and everybody's all like, you know, and the only reason I know this is because I, I heard Steve-O talk about it a couple months back. I, I heard the same thing. And yeah. uh, he he's sitting there, and it's like, you know, Jason was, and he's doing movies and stuff, and he was like, oh, well, you know, what did you do? You know, because you're just out kind of fun, or you don't really have a job, like you're just devoting all this to acting, like you got to trust on He was like, no, I'm I'm a retired professional skateboarder. And people look at him like, what the, you professional skateboarder? But, like, apparently he's, like, you know, a point where now he get, he's he got a longboard and he's, like, back on the board just tooling around and everything. Dude, they used to make That's so cool. much money back then, too, for professional skateboarders back in the 80s and 90s. Tony Alva, man. Tony Alva was so – he was such a dick. But at least Lords of Dogtown painted him to be a dick, to be fair. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's probably kind of accurate. Yeah. But, man, Alva, that dude made so much money. So much money. Of course, like now, I don't think any of those guys. I think a lot of those guys would have appreciated just the ride more than anything else. Like when I was hanging around with guys playing music all the time, I looking back on it now, like I was like, "Oh man, we should have sold more merch. We could have done this. We could have done that." But now I was just like, "You're just fun to be." It was gross. Don't get me wrong; it was stupid gross. Like the grossest thing you can do is get in a bus and tour with four other dudes. That is the grossest thing, especially when the bus is not a bus; it's a church van. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> gross. Or a 1996 Buick Lesabre. Grosser. That's rough, man. But it it was fun. Like I never treated it. No, no, yeah, no. no. I do do remember at one point distinctly looking at somebody. I'm like, stop trying to bring girls back to the place we all sleep at night. Like this is disgusting. Like it smells like Fritos and shame in here. You should like let's hit a TA truck stop. Uh, We, uh, I, I will say though, knowing what I know about stuff like that, I appreciate like some of my favorite thing to do now. Especially doing, you know, comedy and going around to different places to do it is the ride to and the ride from is some of my favorite shit. That's the best. Because nine times out of ten the conversation doesn't revolve around what you're gonna do, doesn't revolve around jokes. It's just the the first six random thoughts that pop in your head. Yeah. And it's the best thing to talk about with people. Well if you're hanging with comics, so it's always something something funny is gonna come out of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jay every time I ride somewhere with J D he gets a new bit and I'm just like, I can't do that yet. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's how I get most of my bits, just talking. Yeah. Talk, talking about, just talking. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. You know, something will come up that's, you know, reminds me of like stuff we're talking about now. And I'm like, oh, that was, that was funny. Or that's something I need to explore, you know, or, or need to think more about, you know, a memory or, or just any, even current stuff. Well, I remember when, when, when we first met, um, and I first started getting into it, I asked you about how you write one time. And you told me you didn't write anything down until you got it the way you wanted it. That blew my mind. I well, thought that was insane. Well, first started uh, stand up. I'd done a lot of screenwriting, you know, and so I love to write. I like I love to write. It's fun. It's, I like to. I, I love that flow state you get into when you just kind of get lost in in your imagination. Oh, and you lose your time space, and you're yeah. just there on the page, just writing. Yeah, so you're just watching a story unfold in front of you that's somehow coming out of your mind, but you had no idea what you were going to say. But, you know, with a screenplay, you, you figure out the 
paradigm and 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 then all the scenes and, and the characters and all that stuff and the backstories and all that before you really write the script so it's not like you're doing it without any direction you have a lot of direction but you still don't know exactly what's going to happen right until you start writing and then <clears throat> and start writing out the scene like you you when you write out the scenes before you write the script you still you start to see the story unfold but you write too many scenes that way there's still extra places to go and then when you start writing the script and you start writing out all these scenes, then new things, novel things happen. And that's where it's really interesting. But um, So when I started comedy, started stand-up, <clears throat> I would initially just write out my sets. You know, I'd write the whole, you know, write out the whole set, the whole idea, and then start cutting it down into bits. And, <clears throat> but then uh, Eric Trundy was, uh, he, he, he told me, it would probably be good for me to try to maybe write down the idea or just talk about the idea first and then try to flush it out on stage. So now what I do is when I have a, uh, an idea that I think could be a bit, I'll write it in my notes or, or take a voice recording of it. And then I'll start thinking about it. Just let my mind just kind of play with it and it'll just start running in the background. And then I'll start talking about it on stage and then I'll talk about it with, with you guys or, you know, other comics or whatever. And and I'll just keep talking about it and thinking about it and listen to my recordings when I talk about it on stage. And usually it's horrible at first. You know, it's like, I might get a laugh, but it's, it's going to be way too long and too mm. clunky and, and not a very well-realized idea. But <clears throat> I keep bringing it back up and keep really listening to it and listening to it. And, and then I'll start to find what it is that I really think is funny about it. You know, it's like the weird thing about comedy is you're expressing feelings and ideas about things, you know, so it's, it's how do you, you're articulating a, a certain idea and it's not just an idea, but it's an idea that makes you feel a certain way. And, right. And then I have to figure out what, what is it about this thing that makes me feel this way? Like makes me, it makes me giggle or, or laugh, you know, or like maybe, maybe laugh out loud or whatever. And, and sometimes it's, it's hard to articulate that idea, but once I figure it out, you know, like untangle the knot and it works, mm. then I'll go and write it physically into my set. I'll sit down on the computer and actually write it in my material. And then it's, it's a part of the set. It's, and, and just because I write it in the material, doesn't, it's still going to change. Yeah. It's never mm -hmm. finished, you know. There's, well, I mean, my, like, I go back and look at some of my notebooks and I'm like, what is this, a fucking fever dream? Like, this is crazy. But it was, I can look at my notes pre-doing stuff with Steve and after doing stuff with Steve. Like, and like, I could, like, pre-direction, purely winging it, and then, like, some sense of direction. Like, not, not, a, not, a, not a thought on, like, this is, this is the rules of how you do it and how you have to do There's it. There's some like, structure to it. Yeah, here's, here's a tool bag. Go craft. Yeah. You know, here, yeah. here's a tool bag. Take your marble. Go chisel. Mm -hmm. And, like, I can look at my old notes and I can pick out stuff out of it now because, like, I'm not going to lie. There's, like, two notebooks I got that I, like, wrote my first year in. And, like, my plan was I was, like, I'm going to get good and I'm going to burn this shit. Yeah. But now I'm going through and I'm, like, I'll, I'll flip through Probably a couple pages. Stuff in there. Yeah, and I'll circle something. I can pull it out and that'll become a premise. Yeah. Like, you know, making a grilled cheese at work. That was something I wrote. now you can articulate it better. Yeah. yeah. I, understand, I understand how a joke works as opposed to, like, well, me and my buddies laugh about this at 2 a.m. when we're hammered. Like, this will be fine to talk about. Right. Yeah. You know, with, with no context. And it's still set up punchlines. You're still just developing tension and release. But before you understand the craft you don't really know what's happening you just kind of it's just natural you just do it yeah i think jenny told me it was because the, fir the first two people that ever talked to me were jd and dusty and then like jenny a couple weeks in like she noticed i had some like 
steam, I guess you would say. Like I was, I was building something to a it had legs. like, like I had some stuff that was like, yeah, it had legs under it. And she goes, "Hey, I understand the stories about you and your friends are funny." She was like, "They're funny, and when you talk about them." With people outside of here, it's funny, but it's funny because you're animated. But when you're in front, and some of these comedians, you know, you've been around for like six, seven months now. Some of these people know you. They've got a rapport with you. So that's funny to them. She was like, the audience doesn't know you. And they definitely don't know the motherfuckers you're talking about. She probably didn't say much. She might have said motherfuckers, but probably not. That's probably me in projecting. (laughs) But, you know, the motherfuckers you're talking about, they don't know who the fuck they are. They don't care. And she was like... She was like, don't lie, but make it about you. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, we, 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 then, I, then I got some rolling. I think it was right after that I started doing the T-shirt joke, and that was the first one that really worked, Yeah. I think. No, no, that's a lie. The first joke that I had that really worked was the uh, stoner philosophy thing. A bird in the handle probably shit on you, that bit. That, that, I think that was the first bit I had that actually did yeah. something. That was okay. And then I started writing fat jokes after Dusty said, it's not hack, what the fuck else do you know? Also, probably not exactly what Dusty Cagle said, people, but, you know, I'm... <laughs> You're paraphrasing. I know how I fucking talk. <laughs> that's what he meant, though, right? Yeah. That's how you took it. Yeah. Like, I appreciate you, motherfucker. Like, mm-hmm. what? It's, it, comedy is tough, man. You have to... It's, it's also very specific to the individual, because, you know, we're all expressing ourselves the way that we express ourselves, but we have to do it in a... You have to do it in a very efficient way. Yeah. Well, there's... There... Uh, for what I what, what I would perceive is what I, I would say styles of comedy, like, you know, like you have styles of kung fu, you have like styles of comedy, like but within those stylings, like there's still an infinite way to like you know, just because you know you're the drunken master in this region and you're the drunken master in this region doesn't mean you know you're you're both fighting exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. So like the, that's a really cool comparison that popped in out of nowhere. Yo, that's nice. The drunken master. Did, but I mean, like, so, like, even stylistically, like, uh, I can pick out local comedians. I won't on here because they're not here, so I'm not going to let them not defend it. But I can pick out, like, local comedians who have similar styles, like, in cadences. Yeah. I can do that. Mm. But they're still so, – even even being similar, they're still so different. Like, because for, for sake of the argument – I'll just talk about the man because he's got a show going on later today. Uh, for, for the sake of argument, you could say some of the energetic things I do on stage is very similar to some of the energetic things AJ Schrader does on stage. Stylistically, you could say that. But it's still two different brands. I would say your style is more like um, – I, I wouldn't compare you guys at all. I would say that you... Well, I mean, uh, the energetic burst is basically what I mean. Yeah, you're both energetic, but I think your energy reminds me of... Sam Kinison. Yeah, like a Sam Kinison or uh, Ralphie May type energy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, whereas AJ is more... um, He reminds me more like a Bo Burnham type energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, There's... there's A little higher energy than Bo Burnham, but... Yeah. 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 Bo Burnham is really monotone, but like words, words, words is still... I listen to it probably... Once every other month. AJ's a really good writer. He he he. Uh, his his stand-up reminds me of. Uh, I mean, it's it's just good writing. Yeah. Yeah. Good performance and good. He's a good great performer too. But I picture him a little older and a little more curmudgeon. And be like, oh look at that, it's Lewis Black. Like just. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I love that man. Well, he'll just be him because he's oh, yeah, so him. unique. I yeah. Mean, really, at the end of the, I mean, it, it's like people that it's it's our just your speaking voice and your your. Uh, the things that make you you and make you your, and give you your personality, I, th- I think those are the things you have to uh, 
I think those things are the the things that are your voice on stage. Like those are the things that will will really express to the audience who you are and and why you you know why you want to do what you do and why you do what you do why you feel the way you feel about things. You know, and, and I think it's like the three of us. None of us speak the same. Our voices are all very different. Our inflections are different. Yeah, our, our mannerisms and <clears throat> our personalities are. Yeah, very different. We have a lot of things in common, but we're, you know, you, you would never confuse us if you were talking to us <laughs> over the phone. No, no, there's no way. Yeah. And, and the yeah. same on stage. And if, and if you, if you do, then I think you're probably doing your material in some kind of a voice. Or, yeah. You know, that's, for me, that's one of the hardest things I've, that's like the thing I'm trying to really focus on. And I've been trying to focus on is just being conversational on stage. Just, I'm just talking to this room of people mm-hmm. The same way I'm talking to you guys, right? I don't want it to. I don't want to be like if you get too nervous, then everything you have like this drilling burst. Everything tightens up. Your voice tightens up. Your your you can't really see clearly anymore. And you just recite. Yeah, so you, and you get all in your head and your mind. Oh, that reminds me. And I, I I want to be on stage and be as loose and comfortable and in the moment as possible. Oh, nice. Whew. <laughs> Yeah, it's a two biter. Um, yeah, I uh, and 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 I agree with you a hundred percent. Nobody ever confuses, but I I think the three of us because we've done several shows together. Yeah, I think the three of us on a lineup is killer because it's it's fun. It's 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 just the right amount of variety. But like, I don't think there's anybody who would come see that show and be like, well, there's no way these dudes don't talk to each other. It's like, right. of course, yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. Like, it's not so. It's like a hang show. Yeah. Yeah. But they get us individually. That is true. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. You see that a lot with um, all the big comics that, that hang friends. together. Yeah. They all work together to help each other because they have, they have uh, similarities in their perspectives, but they still have very unique uh, ideas ideas, yeah. and, and unique personalities. Yes. Yeah. But, but you can see the, the crossover in their work, you know, the, the influence of, yeah. that they have on each other, which yeah. is cool. Well, that's like Tommy and Bert in their last two specials. Both of them literally dig directly at each other. It's always yeah. been inferred for there, but like at this point, they're like, "Ah, oh, we've got six million followers watching Two Bears every week. Why the fuck not?" Yeah, they're doing something different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but those guys are. We're like uh, Andrew Schultz and those guys. They, the, oh, the dudes on Flagrant. Yeah, yeah. Those guys yeah. all have similar, like similarities. We're like uh, another good one is uh, uh, Shane Gillis and Matt McCusker. Yes, because yeah. you know they. They yep. get a lot of the material from their podcast, which is great, by the way. And 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 uh, those dudes are both so funny, but their styles are so similar, but also very uniquely them. Yeah, individuals. The, Sam Rail and Mark Norman. Yeah, Sam Rail and Mark Norman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, although Mark Norman is, uh, I don't know anybody that's really like him. Not Mark at all. is uh, so Not at all. I. Yeah. Secret time. Uh, don't sue me, Bert. Uh, nah, he'll never hear this. Uh, secret time. Uh, I did not care for Mark Norman at all. I, I respected the man for his body of work. Like it's yeah. a good body of work, yeah. and he yeah. puts out good content. It's yeah. just it wasn't for me. But that last special, like for, and I'm I still watch him because like I feel like it's my job to yeah. study as much as I can. Yeah. You know, without polluting my mind with other people's premises. But it's you. You just got to watch it. I'm kind of like I kind of feel weird about watching other people's stuff now. Like I. Because I've seen, <clears throat> I've watched some other big comics, and they'll have similar premises to me, and I'm like, I don't know if I should watch this anymore, because yeah. I because I don't want to, uh, I don't want it to contaminate my work. You know what I mean? Like, it, and and 
mean, I love comedy, you know, but I, I just watched uh, Dan Cummins' new special, which is great. Dan's the man. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched a lot of it, and he was he had some premises and some bits that were very similar to some stuff I've been writing, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this now. Well, so, yeah. but the difference is, is even with similar... I mean, there's going to be a lot. Yeah. That's the thing about today. There's no, you know, I think the zeitgeist is, there's still a zeitgeist, but it's going away, and maybe there's multiple zeitgeists now. And everything's so connected because of the internet, and, and there's less gatekeepers, which is great. You know, yeah. for, for artists, it's just a great time to be an artist because mm-hmm. you don't have to have a big network or some big corporation to promote you or to get your message out there. You just have to have good material. You yeah. have to have yeah. good art, whatever it is, if it's painting or comedy or, or whatever yeah. it's just got to be really good and you can create it yourself for reasonably cheap you know like yeah. a, and so i think um I, th- I think part of the and also all this stuff is new like it's it's all like less than 100 years old yeah so i think we we're gonna have to start thinking differently about copyrights and ideas and what are ideas i always feel like i have this thing i've said on my podcast a lot is you know, my ideas are not my own, but all of our ideas are ours collectively. Because as an artist, you're really just a sensitive individual who is picking up information from all of society, and you're interpreting these ideas for society. You're like a mouthpiece of society, or yeah. at least a section of society, uh, people that, that resonate with you. You're like a Metatron for your local area. Yeah, or even, you know, uh, you're, you just... just maybe people that are like-minded or, or have similar perspectives. And and so I think you're going to have a, since we are all so connected and we all have access to our own platforms, there's going to just inevitably be a lot of crossover. You're going to hear probably thousands of the same premises. And I think, I think the beauty in that is just seeing that a lot of people are thinking about this thing and then also seeing the different ways that people can express this thing instead of being like, oh, that's my thing. Like, no, it's not your thing because it's all of our thing. Mm. This person just expressed it in a similar way that you did, but you guys still expressed it differently. And it's, it's still amazing that, you know, to see that, that expression, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think. Yeah, everybody's talking about blue, but you're doing sky blue. I'm doing ocean blue. Jeremy's doing blueberry blue. Trundy's doing navy, navy blue. And I don't even like blue. I'm doing magenta. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's fuchsia. <laughs> Chartreuse, damn it. <laughs> no, I like all colors. <laughs> I really do. I have no, I'm, I'm a art major, so I, I love all colors. I uh, I enjoy. Um, I, my wife's actually working on a new big piece um, that did because all the all the stuff on the walls is her minus the spacecape. The spacecape is mine. I love the spider. Yeah, this the spider was the spider was interesting. That was a. That was a, a, a quick whimmy, like out of nowhere. Oh yeah, this is so. These all these paintings are your wife's. Yeah, yeah. This is all the wife. Nice. I like her style. It's very um, kind of fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. That one's my favorite, actually, because um, there's a there's a scene in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood where uh, the first homunculus he shows up and they capture him in a glass and he's called the Ghost in the Flask homunculus. There's a new uh, new series on. I think it's on Netflix called what is that show called my daughter likes it we we watched the first season together it's uh they're like ghost hunters it's, it's kind of silly yeah, but, yeah 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 but it but it she loves it and so we watched the first season together and there's a creature like a ghost in a jar it looks like this yeah <laughs> and that's that's from several years ago that's from right when we first got together 
And uh, she, so like that one, she actually, so nobody had been able to put a brush in my hands for years. Cause I just like, I was like, I'm not good at it anymore. I'm not doing it every day. And she looked at me and she was like, I would appreciate it if you would sit down and paint with me one day. And if you don't like it, we we'll, won't hang it up. And yeah. that came out and I was shockingly happy with it. Oh, you painted that? Yeah, that's me. I like that a lot. You know, uh, it, all the, all the artists I know and um except for the ones that already paint and draw and stuff but all, all of the other types of artists i know that you know do stand up or acting or whatever they all have different ways to express themselves outside of their primary art and i think that's, oh yeah i think it's just um i think it's common for all mm-hmm. of us well and for me it's music like here's here's how here's how bad it is yeah, with music because like if i'm sitting over there in that chair that's hanging up if I'm over here, over here, that's over here. But if I'm playing games and stuff, it's musically. Like, I've literally got them locked and loaded everywhere. Like, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Terrible. There's harmonicas all over this house. Like, I don't. That's funny. I can't. It's. That was my first love. Like, that was my first love. So and, I, would, I would do more of that, but I have a wife and a daughter. <laughs> I. I've like I've managed to infiltrate a, a guitar and an amp into the living room, and that's that's <laughs> taken years to accomplish that. <laughs> so harmonicas you can carry in your pocket, and uh, play. I think playing a harmonica is fun. A lot of people dog like on the instrument, yeah. but like it's man. If if you well, can, it's cool about harmonicas. It's it's in a specific key. So if you if you if you're playing something in a key, you can just play. Yeah. It's such a cool instrument, yeah. Well, that's like John Popper. I remember the first time I saw like blues, uh, a clip oh. of Blues Traveler live, and like he's up there in this big fishing jacket. And I was, you know, I was big into like presentation with bands. So like a like a Spencer Chamberlain, he's from Greensboro. He ended up going to be with this band called Under Oath out of Florida, and they were really, but like they they always had like dresses for certain albums, and it was really raw hardcore, like V neck sweaters with the fucking collar cut off, fucking tight ass jeans, crab hopping all the time. Shit was fire. But like, hey, I was, if you're good at something, you can do whatever you want to do. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, and and the look was so cool to me because it looked like, like they looked tattered, but at the same time they looked so powerful. Yeah. Because it was just like the the raw vocals that were coming out and everything. It was like, and it just a lot of it resonated. That's why I ended up in deathcore and stuff like that. Because a lot of those guys just the style of the dress is very like. You know, I'm on the same level as you. Like, my jeans got holes just like yours do, you know, and shit like that. But it's just the raw emotion behind it. It makes my hair stand up, so like, expensive. talking about it. I love it. Yeah. And just, like, it's, I mean, fucking heavy as shit. But, um, <laughs> but I remember I saw John Popper, and I'm like, what self-respecting musician stands on stage in a fishing vest? This is garbage. Like, I would never, not in my fucking, but then I see him start pulling out different harmonicas, because that's what he's got oh, all the pockets that, for. Yeah. And I was sitting there, I was like, this is, and immediately, like, this is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he solved the problem. Yeah, I, I saw them in uh, two thousand and one, uh, and for free at this. We used to, I, boys used to do the, the River Festival, and they stopped doing it because they were losing money because they would have these big bands. Oh, yeah. and then it's free. You just go to the park and you know. Well, you're not losing money. This is an investment into the community. Yeah, it's for no, for they sure. doing it. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, yeah. That was their excuse. But, um, but when I saw him, he had one harmonica or one like looked, it looked like a microphone but it wasn't but it had rows all the way around it of all the different keys mm-hmm. oh wow and so he would he could just roll it dude it's called a corn it's called a corn cob harmonica dude oh. he fucking he's so good man and i yeah i've always liked blues traveler but i was like 15 or so i was 16 when i saw that and it was like it sounds wow. like somebody that just wanted to be better than everybody else made that thing yeah 
for yeah. real. Somebody who wanted to change keys quickly. Yeah. I might... Somebody who is better than everybody else. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been toying around well, with the notion. Harmonica. This yeah. is a harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a... No- you yeah. call that a harmonica? That's not a harmonica. A harmonica. A harmonica. So you call that a mouth harp? It's a mouth harp right here, boy. That guy's probably not who made it. No, um, well, actually, maybe. Maybe. Know, some yeah, of those guys are resourceful. That's true, yeah. Just because you sound like an idiot doesn't mean you're an idiot. No. I've never heard of a mouth harp. just means you grew up around a lot of idiots. I don't know proper inflections, but I can craft a car from nothing. I've, I've worked really hard to not sound like an idiot. I still sound somewhat like an idiot. I, so. I get around my mom's side of the family, and, like, it'll... Usually when I'm around, like, this this is what what I consider how I normally speak. Like, you know, there, there's a little bit of... Uh, there's a little bit of urban hood flair in the way I talk, but that's just, you know, I'm a product of my surroundings. But, like, this is how... But if you get me around my but it's, mother's... It's, but it's, uh, it's authentic. Yeah, yeah. Like, the way you speak is like... I, I grew up around a lot of guys that, that speak like you, and I, I understand it, because it's like, um, you know, you grew up poor, and you, you've been through some shit, and you've, you've uh, been around some different types of people. And, Interesting and, folks, yeah. And some difficult situations, and, and you kind of have to have that, uh, that sort of um, slang vernacular to, to survive those... Situations. Situations, yeah. yeah. But yeah. if you get me around my mom's side of the family for more than 10 or 15 minutes, I'd be like, well, hell, it's great to see y'all over there. How's things been? And I can hear myself doing it. Like, Molly will look at you me. You just did it. Yeah. I can hear myself doing it. <laughs> I can hear myself doing it. <laughs> Molly will we'll be around him, and she'll look at me, and she'll just smile. And I'm just like, I hate you so much right now. I'm like, why are you <laughs> Damn it. That's funny. But You know, my family, my um, immediate family, we, uh, my parents don't have... Uh, well, so my dad doesn't have a real strong accent. My, um, we were poor, but, uh, but not dumb, you know what I mean? Or not, not like redneck. Yeah. And it was, there's like some really smart, I know some really intelligent dudes that sound, they're like, uh, um, their, their accents are so bad. They're, they're just, uh, what's, what's the word? It, um, it sounds stupid. It's just almost incoherent. incoherent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you like you just you're like, what did they say? Yeah. yeah. But they're brilliant. Yeah. You know, and, and so uh, and I th- it's more of a small community type thing than anything. But but fortunately we didn't you know, my parents didn't really have these strong accents. My mom, she's she's originally from California. She was born in uh, in not Venice, but was close to Venice, Just Santa South. Monica. Santa Monica. Yeah. She, she was born yeah. in Santa Monica, and then, but she's, but she, my grandfather worked for Lockheed. Oh Lockheed yeah, Martin, and so they trapped They they moved all over the place. She went to like fifteen different high schools. Dang. So her accent is really strange. Like she has like a Western Southern accent. And well, because while her brain was super malleable at its she most, she's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And then, but my dad, you know, he's he's from North Carolina. His family's been in. Uh, Randolph County for over 250 years and but he he's he has a southern accent but it's not a real strong one it's like an educated southern accent yeah and uh, but I had a really strong southern accent as a kid and I think a lot of it was just because I was poor and I didn't um, I just didn't care about that you know like I didn't see the importance until I got older and then I was you know, probably 18, I started thinking about how I sound. I, th- I heard a recording of myself when I was, I was like, oh, I sound ridiculous. 
Like I can't, I can't continue life sounding like this. <laughs> I, th- I thought <laughs> until I was like thirteen, I thought it was cool because like I wanted, you know, because we were. Uh, granted, I was already involved in a lot of bullshit at that time, but what I wanted, like to me, it was like because I knew how my granddad sounded, mm. and he didn't have a heavy Southern accent, but like my granddad sounded like Duke fucking Wayne. Like it, it, but he didn't. His voice didn't draw out his song, but it was just a deep and very calm. Like my grandfather, like even when he would get mad and yell, he'd be like, "Hey!" You know, something about it was oddly calming. Yeah. Like he, it, it, but it was just the way he talked, and I thought that was so cool. But like, I personally wanted to sound like Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday in Tombstone, because I <laughs> thought that was awesome. the baddest motherfucker. I be yeah. a Huckleberry, like that's the baddest motherfucker ever. Great movie. And it's, it's hard to, you know, being like, you know, everybody else is being like, oh, show enough is the shit. And I'm sitting here like, but what about Tombstone? Shut the fuck up, Tony. I'm like, okay, fine. Sorry. <laughs> I have like a, like a weird accent, I think, because I, I lived in California and Idaho. Grew up in Idaho. I think California gave me a weird, different kind of speak. Well, you have a pretty you know? neutral accent. You do say some things that uh, remind me of the way my mom says, says a few things. Like, uh, you say eggs. I, I say Eggs. eggs. Eggs, nah. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple A's in there, bro. And then yeah. there's and then there's a uh, uh, skull. Yeah, that's something like my mom. What? Say elbow. Wait, skull, elbow. I th- I thought you're not elbow. talking about skull, like dip. Like when you say skull, it's I like, hear I hear like skull. a can of skull. Yeah, like, like, instead like, of skull, there's yeah. like an A in there. Yeah. yeah, my my wife is southern and she's from Kentucky, and so she always used to pick on me for that. She goes, "You mean a skull?" Or skull, and I can't even do it right. I'm like skull, but she speaks really clearly. She does, yeah. yeah she's yeah, she's good English, but she, but yeah, so skull, and then there's bowl, 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 like it's almost like water. Yeah, yeah, not like, like a like a like a like a like a bowl of soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, to me, I was like like crab, like a crab boil, like that's, that's what that's. Funny. Boil. But then, I, bowl, but then bowl, I say boil a bowl. Bowl. It sounds Canadian. It's a, it's, yeah, that that's the northern. That's the you got that bowl, eh? That bowl, <laughs> that bowl eh? We used, so we used to make fun of uh, the way that Canadians talked when I was a kid. We just we just you know kids just being like, hey, how do you say your ABCs? A A B A C A D A. <laughs> All that stupid shit, right? And then uh, when I moved away from Idaho. People go, where are you from? Fucking Canada? <laughs> like, oh no. I'm like, what? <laughs> I hear things now that I say, and I'm like, why do I say it that way? I hear, when I'm listening to my, my sets, mm. I'll hear myself say certain words. I'm like, how do I correct this? Because it's not, that's not how that word should be said. Like, yeah. um, I was trying to think of one of the words that I say, and it, it, to me, <clears throat> it sounds like I'm saying it correctly, but when I hear it, it's not correct. Yeah. And I and I can't figure out why that's happening. Molly <laughs> Molly doesn't that word. Molly doesn't like the way I say cockies because like <laughs> cockies, cockies like, like I'm looking for because it's fucking it, there was just this dude that I hung out with a long time and he'd be like yo go get the cockies like and that's just so that oh like Boston yeah so that one stuck in my head I'd that was like, one of those things they did last, last night, night the, yeah, the, yeah the, the khakis but it's yeah. car keys yeah, yeah I'd be like have, have you the seen khakis. have you the seen khakis. have you seen my khaki you know like uh, uh, you know up north if you're asking for your khakis. You know, you're trying to drive to work. Down here, if you haven't seen your khakis, you know, you don't have pants. Yeah. But fucking, that's, that's the one that gets me. When I was up in Massachusetts. I don't have either. <laughs> I have an electric truck. This is my phone. His phone starts his car. I don't like khakis, so. That's so funny. I, I don't know if, 
I think that's the only stereotypical like cholo thing I do. It's I like khakis, man. They fucking yeah. They wear khakis and Chuck Taylors. Something about it just feels natural. You're just you're just uh, speaking in code. Oh, <laughs> 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 man. Yeah. I had a thought that it was, you know, I when I first started doing this, I thought that, and I think it was my mom. She was like. You know, you, you're going to have to dial yourself back. Like, you can't be you. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't be me? I was like, I'm about to go. And she was like, but it's all these all these guys that you see on stage. They're all doing a little act. Like, that's not. They're jazzing it up. And it's I'm, the opposite. Yes, I'm yeah. sitting there like, there, there's no way they're doing it. My And so, like, for my first little bit, it was ever. And then, like, the first time I saw. And this is going to sound so terrible. But the first time I saw somebody hanging out, like, rolling a number, I was like, fuck yes, son. I have arrived. Yeah, like, now, yeah. fuck, well, you know, now everything's the, fine. That's the hardest thing about um, stand-up for me is is just letting go. That is you the know, be, Just being on stage and being open and, and, and allowing myself to let go, like, like shutting off the filter. And, because I have, like, the way my mind works, I have a very analytical side and a very creative side. And I'm a little more, I am a little heavier on the creative side, but, you know, Growing up poor, I, when I was a kid, I always assumed I would just be an artist because that's what I wanted to be. But I needed money, and and I had a decent business mind, and so I, I just chose to to go after financial interests first. And I enjoy business, too, because it, there's a lot of creativity in business if you approach it that way. Oh, yeah. And, and so you know I didn't really start pursuing art until I was 32, and I started in acting. It's a good but, age. Yeah, but it's hard, you know, once you've um, once you've went that far in life and really filtered yourself heavily and and kind of guarded yourself because in business you you sort of have to be you can't be real vulnerable because you know people take advantage of you. Yeah, well, it's cut yeah. like for sure. Can, not yeah. all the, not all the time. Yeah, but, but, it's, but it's, it's, it's yeah, but it can be. There's a lot there's a lot of people trying to take advantage of you for sure. But um, so then when I got into acting and and you know, the creative side, you know, it was, it was all about being vulnerable and it was, and it's still, I still struggle with being vulnerable and because, because the, the analytical side of my mind is like, is constantly shutting down the creative side and blocking my ideas or my expressions because it's like, no, you're going to embarrass yourself. You shouldn't, oh. you, you're not allowed to say this or you shouldn't say that or you, you know, you can't act this way. What are you doing? Yeah. It's just constantly correcting me based on the way that I've been taught to to behave and and so that's that's probably the the biggest barrier i have creatively is is just letting go and so that what you're saying and and honestly dude the best set i ever saw you do was um when you went on stage and you just let go and it was amazing like you had one thursday dude you crushed you fucking what was i talking about who cares? Yeah, yeah, it, it was just you was having you. fun and yeah. just and you just let go and and it was just amazing. And I feel I feel like that was the night I was like, so now I drink diet coke with my whiskey because it's better for me. Just yeah, it was great, man. It was and, great, man. And and that's you know when I when I have my best sets, I'm just in the moment and I'm free. And when I have my worst sets, I'm just in my head and I'm I'm worried about everything. Yeah. Oh What's God, yeah. what what made the shift yeah. for me? My my big thing right now is like writing. Like I'm dealing with this really weird inner turmoil about like how I'm writing, which it's taking. Like JD kind of looked at me last night. He was like, "I'm gonna shake the shit out of you if you don't fucking <laughs> stop." You're overthinking it. Probably. Yeah. 
But uh, it was uh, the, the best advice I've gotten recently was uh, AJ Schrader, and I was talking about crazy stuff because like like sometimes it, it, I'm gonna do something with you this week in a mic, yeah. you know for sure that's gonna happen that we've talked about doing for a while. That's yeah. just it's silly, but it's fun. it's fun. At some point in the mic this week, I guarantee you I show up at that guitar and I don't do jokes. I'm gonna sing Tenacious D and then I'm gonna politely fuck off because yeah. it's a festival <laughs> and everybody should have fun. If I like, sure. God forbid Eric's around, I'll do a card trick on stage just so he can do it better later. You know, just because, but like, and the whole reason I'm able to do this is because I was, I was saying stuff to AJ about, I had these ideas for wanting to do this, but I was afraid because I was afraid that everybody was going to think it was weird and it was stupid. And we're on the way to do the show at good nights. And AJ looks at me and he goes, yeah, it is stupid. Tony, we're grown ass men. I'm 40. You're 32. And we get on stage in front of others and seek validation. And I'm sitting here like, what is this? And he goes, Fuck him. It's completely insane. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, yeah. it is dumb, but it's We fine. have to do it, though. Yeah. yeah. We just have to... We have this <laughs> strong need to express ourselves. Yes. And, and, it, and I think if you feel that way, you should. that's what you should be doing. And it yeah. does. It makes so much sense. Um, before we get out of here, I do want to do this because I've never had you on, Neil. And uh, I, I ask this to everybody. So uh, I'm, I'm going to do my little spiel before we wrap it up. Um, so, guys, uh, look... Thanks for listening to another episode. I love you guys so much. And if you uh, if you like hearing cool comedians, my cool friends like Neil and Jeremy that come out and do cool shit with us, definitely check us out at the Itty Box Comedy Club. It's got the littest open mic around every Thursday. Uh, you can get online on Eventbrite or idiotboxers.com. Sign up and get your tickets. Also, please, I know you guys hear this commercial at the end of all my episodes, but definitely check out the Creative Businessman page. Please, 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 please. Neil's guys are cranking out amazing content every day. Dumbest time of the room, the Creative Businessman Studios, the Creative Businessman Show. It's fire like all of it's amazing and it's it's some of the best stuff you could listen to um so do that for me because you love me and you think i'm a good person and even if you don't love me do it because you hate me and you want to tell me how much i suck but just fucking do it you know what i'm saying um how much do i owe you for that what no you're (laughs) (laughs) once Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Sidewalk Crew. Uh, it's so great to have you. Um, once again, my name is Tony Rodriguez. I'm a local comedian from Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, I'm a young aspiring comic. Uh, I am taking bookings currently, so if you are a booker and you found a way to this show through recommendation, uh, please get at me through my email, thatcomictony at iCloud.com. Uh, to reach out to me um, and uh, that'd be fantastic also if you'd like to do, uh, come on the show or you think you have an interesting story you can check me out at uh, thatcomictony at icloud.com also um, I'm also thatcomictony on all social medias except Facebook where I'm Tony Rodriguez um, and it's a picture of me on stage at the Idiot Box Comedy Club if you're trying to find a reference to that now while I've got you here before you get out of here I'd like to say some cool stuff about some friends of mine uh, if you enjoyed this podcast uh, please uh, like, rate, and subscribe. Uh, also, please uh, check out the following. Uh, my buddy David Goolsby, a.k.a. Guop, has a podcast called The Uop that he releases on Mondays here on Spotify. Um, also, uh, the Creative Businessmen Studios on YouTube, they have several amazing shows, um, including The Creative Businessmen, uh, Dumbest Time in the Room with Tom Simmons, and Never Been Happier with Eric Trundy. Um, they also have this show called The Mike and the Machine with Craig Boudreau. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're great, great people. Um, I get to work with all these guys a lot, and uh, we have fun with them. Oh, there's also uh, The Moments with Jermaine Colando. Um 
Now, uh, Guwap and the Uwap are available on Spotify. I believe uh, the Creative Business Studios has some episodes on Spotify, and I think Jermaine might have a couple on Spotify. But you can find the Moments with Jermaine Colando and all your Creative Business and all uh, the Creative Businessman Studios. Um, podcasts and shows on YouTube. Uh, the Moments with Jermaine Colando is how you get at him and uh, search uh, the Creative Businessman Studios to find shows like Never Been Happier, The Creative Businessman, and Dumbest Time in the Room. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Check out my friend's podcasts. And if you're in Greensboro and you'd love to come see some fantastic comedy, please, like I say at the end of every show, check us out at the Idiot Box Comedy Club. You can find their information on Facebook, um, the Idiot Box Comedy Club in Greensboro, or on their website, Idiot Boxers. Thank you so much.